All right, glad you all made it. Those who are watching online, we're glad you're watching. You picked a great Sunday to be here and a great Sunday to watch because we're starting a brand new series called Move, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. So hopefully by now you're done with your 40 days, and if you're not, it's okay. Nobody's, nobody's feeling guilty. Don't come up to me and say, I'm only on day 10. I'm terrible, okay? You don't have to do that. It's okay. Just keep working at it. Keep working through it because we want you to connect with God. That's been the whole point of what we are doing. And if you're already caught up and you're on day 40 and you're like, what do I do now? If you're friends with me on version, I always share a, a devotional every week, a reading app. Uh, normally between three and five days, and if we're friends, you can just you'll make sure I'll get it to you so that you know which one we're doing. We're doing a three-day one week this week. It starts on Tuesday, so if you'd like to join in, we would love to have you be a part of that and follow along. That's another way of simply getting the scriptures into our lives on a daily basis and for us to connect with God. So this is all about uh, this series, Familiar Insight Narratives with New Insights. So the stories we're going to talk about and the places we're going to be in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, most of you have going to heard these before. Most of you are going to be like, okay, I, I know everything. I don't think you're going to tell me anything new. This is the thing I want you to understand and I want you to embrace through this whole s- series. I want you to experience how deep and rich Scripture is. So I texted my sister the other day before she took off. She's on vacation. And I said, do you happen to have what we had as kids? So the first thing we had as kids, okay, this is going to date me for a moment, okay, is this book, and it came with records, okay? Yeah, I know some of you don't even know what those are, okay? Uh, It came with records, and it had all sorts of different Bible stories, and we'd play the record and listen to the Bible story, and this was my first introduction into the Bible, into this thing called Scripture, And then it went from version to version and different things that we have until the one I have today. But this is where it all started. So some of the narratives in here we're probably going to talk about. We're probably going to discuss. We're going to go over. And the thing with Scripture is, and this is what I hope you understand, you don't just read a story, check off a list, well, I'm done. I got that one down. I've learned all the lessons. No, Scripture is so deep and rich that every time we open it up, God will show us something new, even if you've read the story over and over again. Even if you think, I already know everything about that. I've already heard every sermon on that. I've already heard every take on that. I've heard every commentary on that. God opens our eyes, and he shows us something new if we will allow him to. And these new insights that we're going to use, okay, is a simple tool. So about a year ago, probably a little more than a year ago, we talked about how to study the Bible. And the thing we talked about was context, which is really, really important, because if not, you can make the Bible say all sorts of things the Bible is not saying if you don't understand its context. And then you try to interpret what's it, what's it being written to, who it's being written to, what's it being written about. And then, really, really important, how do I apply that to my life? How do I take that and say, okay, in 2022, Central Iowa, what does this look like? And I begin to make the application to my life so then I can live out what the scriptures are telling me to do. So that's what we looked at before. That's more of a Western mindset. Now, I am probably going to kill these words I have enough problems with the English language, introduce another one, and I'm not good at all, okay? I really not. But I want to introduce you to how the Jewish world would talk about scriptures, okay? They would use these words, Peshat, Ramez, Drosh, and Sod. 
Now, I probably killed those. It's okay. Those are the four things that they would look at and say, this is how we take Scripture and how we interpret it, how we look at it. These are the different levels that we go through in order to understand what is the Scripture trying to tell us. Now, for our totally look at these narratives that we think we all know about and we all have been through these before, we're going to look at the remez for each of them which is the links of what is going on to something in the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, for us, that's the Old Testament. I'm saying Hebrew Scriptures is what we're talking about. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament's Hebrew Scriptures. Most of us think, oh, why would I read the Old Testament, right? We're in New Testament time. We're in Jesus time. So we just kind of ignore that. But most of the things that Jesus taught all had a link back to the story, to a narrative in the Old Testament that helps us understand even more what Jesus was trying to say and trying to talk about. So, I know, open mind, let's see what God has in store for us during this series as we go through this. So, today is all about bitterness to forgiveness. And in doing so, we're going to look at a passage you've heard about before in Matthew chapter 18. You've probably heard the question, and maybe not so much the parable that Jesus tells, or why he has the answer that he does. So Matthew 18, if you have your Bibles, you can turn along, follow along with us. You can follow along on the bottom of the screen if you're watching online, and if you are in the room, follow along on the screen if you'd like to, and we're going to be in Matthew 18. Here we go. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother? You ever think he was talking about Andrew? You ever think maybe, and I realize this, this term could mean both, but you think you ever said, Jesus, did you have to call Andrew? Really? Did you have to call Andrew? Of all the people you called to be disciples, did you have to call my brother? I, I hate him, okay? From t- 10 years old, he was messing with my life, and he's messing with it ever since, okay? It's just terrible. Why did you do it? Do you ever think maybe he meant Andrew? Maybe he meant someone in his family who messed up. Now, Matthew 18 is all about forgiveness, and Jesus was trying to say, what what happens when someone sins against you? How are you going to go make that right? How are you going to reconcile that? How are you going to put that back together? So Peter asked a simple question. Okay, how many times do I got to do this? How many times do I got to walk through this pattern? Does my brother just keep doing this over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, is there a limit? Can I just stop? Can I just say, ah, nope, nope, nope. You've you've exceeded the limit. You're done. That's his question. Okay. And he even adds an epitaph to it as many as seven times. So if you go back to the book of Amos, which is where most of the scholars in those days were looking at, they would tell you, you need to forgive somebody who sins against you three times, three times. So so Peter's doing really good here, okay? He ups it, okay? He's going to, he's one of the 12, by the way, okay? He's one of the 12. He should probably sound a little more spiritual got it, that he's got it all together. So he's going to go from three, as was generally thought in that time, to seven. Okay, I think I should do it seven times. That's kind of a complete number. I'm going to do it seven times. It, aren't, aren't I great, Jesus? Isn't this amazing? You have such an awesome disciple. I'm so glad you chose me. Okay? That's, really, that's really behind this because he thinks he is exceeding what has been told him. And what does Jesus say to him? I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your translations will say 70 times seven, which maybe Peter was going, great, I have to do math. This is terrible. Why do I have to do that? What, what do you mean? Why do I have to do that? So why does Jesus say that? 
Why does Jesus come up with 77 times? Does it appear anywhere else? This is what this is what the Jewish world would have known. And they didn't have the scriptures. They had to memorize everything. Okay? We'd have Mar up here this morning. Mar is five, right? Mike got that right, Trish? Okay. Mar's five years old. I'm telling you, at five years old, um, somebody in Jesus' world at five years old would memorize far more scripture than anybody in this room. They would put us to shame, and we'd be like, oh my goodness. Because they didn't have this. They didn't have an app on their phone that they could pull up whenever they were looking for. What's that verse? I don't know what that verse is. So everything was memorized. Everything was from memory. And they started really, really young getting all the scripture into them. And so Jesus is going to point back. And quite often scripture points back to something they already know that's already been said. So if you would go in and say, has 77 times ever showed up before? Or 70 times, has that ever showed up before? In fact, it has. Is there anything in the text? You're going to hear this question every single week. Is there anything in the text that tells us to go back because we might get a little bit of an idea why Jesus did that and what he went back to? Well, in Genesis chapter 4, after Cain kills Abel, and he is concerned because everybody's going to be out for Cain, everybody's going to come and kill Cain, uh, God says, I'll put a mark on you and nobody will touch you. And if they kill you, they will be avenged seven times. So if you look seven generations from Cain, you find a man by the name of Lamech. And in Lamech's day, Lamech was, uh, I, I don't know how you would put it, an incredibly violent individual who, it didn't matter what anybody did to him, he always went exceedingly more and abundant back at them with, with violence. So guess what you find in this lament this this poem almost that, that Lamech tells that is written down for us in Genesis chapter 4 verse 24 if Cain is to be avenged seven times as much then Lamech oh there's our word there's our phrase 77 times or again your scripture might say 70 times 70 well there it is it's all the way back there because, uh, and, and in his poem, he's talking about, you know, somebody came up and slapped me, so I killed them. Okay, that's just, right? It's absurd. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you going that exceeding amount of violence? That's who he was, and that's what he did. And so why would Jesus point back to that? Isn't that an odd story that Jesus would point back and use the same numeric phrase and pull it forward and say, no, no, Peter. I know you think it's great you did this seven times. What if you did it 77 times? What if you're about forgiveness as much as Lamech was about revenge, as much as he was about evil, as much as he was about violence, as much as he was about getting even with people who, do stu- who did stuff with them? What if you were about forgiveness just like he was about revenge and he was about evil? Peter you are going to have to out-forgive evil, evil an absurd amount of time. That's, a, that, that's just an absurd amount. You're going to have to out-forgive that. If you want to make any difference, if you want to see my kingdom come in this world, you're going to have to out-forgive evil an absurd amount of time. And it's going to feel like this is just ridiculous. Why am I keep forgiving this person over and over and over and over again? And Jesus said, if you want my kingdom to reign, if you want me to be a part 
of your life. I want you to forgive an absurd amount of time. And then he tells a parable. And in this parable, you need to catch, and it's hard to sometimes because some things don't compare. Uh, you, You have to see how absurd Jesus gets in this illustration that he's about to use. For this reason, for what reason? That you're going to have to out-forgive evil an absurd amount of time. Jesus is going to tell us a story. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. As he began settling accounts, a man who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, to us, that means nothing. It's not like 10,000 bucks, okay? Uh, that, that like a debt. You know, I got I to gotta pay a check every month until the debt's paid off. No. You have to think lots of money. You have to think so much money that it doesn't matter if he works until the day he dies, he will not pay it off. Some think this is anywhere from three to five times, maybe even more, what a person could earn in a lifetime. Now, why would anybody let somebody pile up a debt they couldn't pay? Right? What, what was the king doing? Isn't that absurd? To, to let somebody pile up all that debt knowing they're never going to pay it back. Okay? They don't have three three to five lifetimes. They have one, and they'll always be short. What is the world is he doing? Why, why is he doing that? Because he was not able to repay it, obviously, right? How are you going to repay it? You have, don't have three to five lifetimes of salary to pile up to pay it, and that's if you didn't spend your money on anything else. So it, you can't. The whole point is you can't. So because he was not able to pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold along with his wife, children, whatever he possessed, and, and repayment to be made. So that's how they dealt with things in those days. You, you'd sell everybody, you'd take everything back, you sold into slavery, that's what happens. Then the slave threw himself on the ground before him, saying, be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. Can he actually do that? No. He actually is going to say something that he'll do something he can't do. But he, he, he just at a loss. I, I got to beg. So this is absurd what he's doing here. He can't repay it back. He can't, no matter what he does, offer that back. It's just absurd. So what happens? The Lord had compassion on that slave. And he released him and forgave him the debt. Now, this is really important. He absolved the debt. We don't understand this, I think. I mean, right, we've got this battle going on, and it's kind of left now, but we had that battle going on for a while where where everybody who owed student loans was like, can't he just be forgiven? Well, someone's got to absorb that, okay? And so uh, people who understand the financial system is like, oh, don't mess it up that bad, okay? It's messed up. Don't mess it up that bad because somebody has to absolve the debt. It doesn't just go away. It doesn't vanish. It doesn't poof. Somebody has to absolve it. And if the king does, the king could go bankrupt. Does he have enough resources to cover? So you can't just make it go away. It's got to be absolved. It's got to be dealt with. It's got to be absorbed by somebody. So here's the king. And he's willing to absorb all this debt and forgive this person. So you think, what? He's going he's to have a party, right? He's going to gather everybody together and celebrate. Look what happened. Look what took place. Isn't this great? The king forgave all my debt because I was never, ever ever going to pay that back no jesus in in all his absurdity is going to say oh you you you've heard nothing yet i'm going to take another little twist on this and i'm going to have you see what happens next after this 
He didn't go out and have a party. He didn't go celebrate. He didn't thank the Lord. He didn't do anything. He found the same slave, found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 silver coins. Maybe three months wages, maybe three weeks, three months, okay? So you can pay off that debt, right? You could pay off that debt. That debt could be paid. That was in far reach of somebody paying it off. Owed him 100 silver coins. And he grabbed him by the throat. Wait a minute. Didn't you just get forgiven this huge debt? What are you doing? Again, it's an absurd story. Grabs him by the throat, starts choking him, saying, pay what you owe me. Then his fellow slave threw himself down and begged him. If we could compare these two together, he says the same thing the guy says to the king. Can you imagine somebody before you, the very thing you just said to the king, and you begged him and pleaded him, your words are now being said right in front of you. Be patient with me, and I will repay you. And that made a difference, right? No. But he refused. Instead, he went out, and he threw him in prison until he repaid the debt. Absurd, right? Why would you do that? You were just forgiven what you could never, ever, ever pay back. Why would you go and take this guy and throw him in prison and say, you're there until you pay me back? Why would he do that? Because this is an absurd story to help us understand what Jesus is looking for us to do. When his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were very upset, went and told their Lord everything that had taken place. Like, you need to understand what happened. I know you thought you were awesome and generous, forgiven this debt, but this guy did not learn anything. He just went out and went after somebody else and tried to get their money. Then his Lord called him in, the first slave in, and said to him, evil slave. Gosh, it went bad, right? You're just forgiven. Now you're evil. Evil slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. And none do what I thought you were worthy. I was willing to absolve all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have shown mercy to your fellow slave just as I showed it to you? And in his anger, the Lord turned him over to the prison guards to torture him until he repaid all he owed. So also my heavenly Father will do if each of you does not forgive your brother from your hearts. So you're like, what in the world is the whole point of this? I first need to explain some things because if I don't, you're going to get the wrong idea of what forgiveness is. So let me quickly remind you. Forgiveness is not condoning. Oh, it's okay that you hurt me. It's okay that you sinned against me. That's not forgiveness, okay? It's not forgetting, okay? I'll, I'll forget all about it. I'll forget all about it. It's all, it's all good. It's all okay. I'll just forget all about it. Nope. It's not no consequences. Some of us think that. Well, how could God forgive me and I still experience consequences? Because consequences have nothing to do with forgiveness. They don't. I, if they did, don't you think more people... in prison would ask for forgiveness man wouldn't that be awesome they would think it's great they'd ask for forgiveness and boom the doors wow man that would be instantaneous you'd have a lot of people doing that it doesn't it doesn't do that it doesn't take away the consequences somebody who kills somebody that that person doesn't come right back to life it doesn't eliminate consequences if you think that's what forgiveness is then you're probably having a problem understanding god's forgiveness of you because you're still living with some of those consequences for things that happened when you left god's path it's not accepting it's not accepting somebody's behavior that's just going to sin over and over 
and over. No, 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 no. No, you're not accepting that. It's not allowing. It's not allowing. There's lots of situations people need to get out of. Because forgiveness is not allowing somebody to abuse you over and over and over and over again. It's not allowing somebody to violate you over and over and over and over again. That's not forgiveness. And don't think that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not fixing. Any fixers in the room? I'll step in. I'll fix you all up. You'll be all, all great. And, you know, you have the perfect advice, okay? You think you should be a counselor because you can fix anybody, right? That's the way you work. It's not fixing. You have to step in and fix everything for forgiveness. It is not trusting. As I said before, you run over my foot with your car, I'm just not getting near you in a car. I'm just not, okay? Is that bad? No, I can forgive you without trusting you. And it's also not reconciling. Sometimes those things never happen. Sometimes the two parties never reconcile, never get back together. And somebody can still forgive the other person. So I need you to understand that. For all the wrong concepts we get in our head about forgiveness, I need to make sure you understand that. Forgiveness is a reckoning and a release. You sinned against me, and I'm releasing that debt. See, it's, it, that, that's just calling it what it is, right? It's, it's condemnation and accusation. You sinned against me. You violated me. You did this against me. It is recognition of a wrong. See, it's much different than our world would like to paint it. And it, it's, in all the, it's in all the shows, right? It was in the show my, my wife was just watching last night where somebody needed forgiveness. And, and they went and asked for somebody. And what did the person say? Oh, it's okay. Come on, how many times have you done that? I, I'm there. I've done that. Do you understand that it, that is not helping forgiveness? And that's not helping it along. That's not aiding it. That's not making sure it happens. It's, yep, yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I'm willing to forgive that. It is a recognition of a wrong. And sometimes people don't recognize that wrong. But you do, and you recognize you've been wronged against, and it's time to forgive. So there's two big lessons I want to walk walk you through and and make sure that you leave with today first is the perspectives of the debts do you know part of why jesus told this story and was absurd because what we owe god is far more than we could ever pay in our entire lifetime it would take three to five lifetimes not even that and we'd still be short 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 of the glory of god we'd we're always short we're always short. You cannot do enough. It, it's what frustrates me. Maybe it's frustrated you when you've talked to somebody and say, how it's going? You know, how, is, how are you doing? What do you think about Jesus? And they always say something like, oh, I just don't know if I've been good enough. Nor, normally I say, well, neither have I. What's the point? Right? I haven't either. Because that's not the point. That i got to be good enough. That i got to be good enough and i got to try to earn something. The debt's too big. The debt's too big. Sorry. Start today and you're still short. Three to five lifetimes and more short of what you can repay back. So that's part of Jesus' point. You can't pay that back. You need God to dissolve that debt. And you know why God can dissolve our debt? Oh, because he's God. He just, no. You know why he can? Because he sent his son to die in our place and rise for our salvation. So now he can say, oh, your debt 
is there. I'm taking your debt and placing it there, and I can dissolve the debt because of that. And I'm not bankrupt. I paid everything. I paid everything. It's why Jesus declared it is finished. It is paid in full. You've been paid in full. And think about it. We've been forgiven a debt we could never, ever repay. But then someone hurts us. And in comparison, it is a debt that could be paid. It is a debt that can be forgiven. So isn't it time for us to do that? Big, the big part here is the perspective of debts. Don't miss that out. Don't miss this part. That what we owe is so great that when someone else hurts us, offends us, sins against us, that debt is so much smaller than what I owe my Heavenly Father. And he has dissolved that in himself. And he says, I want you to be about forgiving. I want to be about forgiving. So we ought to understand the perspectives of the debts. There's a second thing I want you to understand this morning. That unforgiveness is a prison we put ourselves in. The the end of that parable is really interesting because it can get translated a few different ways. If you're not careful, you could look and say, and and the commentators have problems with this. Well, wait a minute. Am am I not forgiven when I don't forgive? How how does that all work? Because if you're not careful, you read that. All of a sudden, you you start attributing to God things he didn't promise. I mean, God either said he's going to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, or he's not. He's just going to remember them over and over and over and over again, which means he holds them against us. Okay, so one is true or one is not. So when you start reading that and you start breaking it down, this is where our language is an issue. Whose debt does the man have to deal with before he's out of being, and, and notice it says he's tortured. What if, what if it's the man he won't let go of his debt of? Did the king just reinstall all the debt, or did he say, wait a minute, here's the prison, and you have the key. Are you going to let yourself out? Are you going to let yourself out by forgiving this person and what they owe against you? And we don't think of it that way. The unforgiveness is a prison we put ourselves in. And Jesus comes along, and he looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you get the point? What I'm about to do is going to get you right with God and allow you to be right with each other. And here's the key. Are you going to use it or not? Are you just going to sit in prison and be bitter and be angry and complain and moan about what this person did you over and over and over and over again for the rest of your life? I mean, what is it? What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because that's what Jesus came and did. And he gives us the key. And we have it right in our hand. We have it right here. How long will you sit in prison before you unlock the door and actually walk out? What if we read the parable that way? And we saw that God has done everything so that we could actually be forgiven and forgive someone else. Because I imagine, just imagine, a lot of us are sitting in prison because of debts that have been hard to forgive. They have been hard to forgive. And I know you would like to say, yep, yeah, yeah, but Ed, 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 um, if we could sit down and have a cup of coffee 
and I could tell you my story, you would write me a pass. I, I don't think I get to do that, but okay. Uh, if I could, you would give me a hall pass to say, oh, okay, your situation's different. Okay, uh, I, I didn't realize what was done to you and was done about you and, and how you were violated. I didn't know that. Here's your pass. You don't have to forgive them. I don't get to do that. And Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, don't do that. I don't do that. I'm going to do everything so that you can, in turn, forgive that debt and get out of the prison that you have been in. And here's the key. And what are you going to do with it? And you want to know what the, the one thing, if I could say I want you to walk out of here with, that forgiveness is declaring. You're declaring something when you forgive. That Jesus' death is enough. It's enough for my forgiveness. It's enough for mine. For those, for those of you in the room who are, who are like me, who tend to be very hard on yourselves and beat yourselves up, and you still remember the thing you did 15 years ago, and how could it be so stupid? And every once in a while that goes back to your mind, I'm so dumb, I'm so stupid, I can't believe God can't love me because of that. Okay, we are declaring Jesus' death is enough for my forgiveness. And, okay, this is the next part. And it's enough for me to forgive others. The death of Jesus was enough. The resurrection of Jesus was enough. That now I can in turn go and forgive the debt that was done against me. Are we going to do that? Or are we going to say, ah, I'm sure that death was enough. I think I'll hold that grudge a little longer. A few more years, get a little more bitter, right? Nobody likes bitter people. You don't want to be around bitter people, and you don't want to be a bitter person. So why don't we take the key that Jesus did in dying in her place, rising again for salvation, and take that and unlock the door and walk out of the prison we've had ourselves in for years and finally forgive. That's what I hope you'll do. That's what I hope you'll do with this parable and this looking back at, yeah, Sometimes we're going to have to out forgive people an absurd amount of times. And Jesus said, that's okay. You can forgive people because my father can forgive people because I'm going to die in your place. And I'm going to pay it all in full so it is all finished. And you have what you need to find forgiveness for yourself and find the forgiveness you need to offer somebody else. So let me pray for us this morning. And then we're going to sing one more time and worship together that we would just remember and, and declare Jesus' death is enough. It is enough. We'd stop beating ourselves up, and we'd start letting ourselves out of the prison we've put ourselves in. Let's pray. Father, I pray that looking back, to an absurd story about a man who was incredibly violent when evil was rampant everywhere, much like we see uh, in our own world. Tell Peter, Peter, if, you, if you're going to make a difference in this world, you're going to have to out-forgive. You have to out-forgive evil an absurd amount of time. We've never thought of it that way. Some of us in the room, some of us watching online have been beating ourselves up for years 
for things we've done. And every time we do that, we declare, Jesus, your death is not enough. I must still have to pay something. Maybe we're living through consequences. A lot of times we just beat ourselves up. We don't recognize your death is enough. And then, Father, I, I pray for everybody who's stuck in a prison that you've given them the key. You say, why are you stuck there? Why are you sitting in that cell? May we declare today, Jesus, your death was enough for me to forgive. For me to forgive my parents, my siblings, my coworkers, my boss, whoever it is. Whoever it is. Their, their, their name and what they did to us has just been ingrained into our lives. And unknowingly, we've become bitter people because we're sitting in a prison we never met was to sit in. You've handed us the key. May we unlock the door and walk out and find the freedom that you have for us. May we declare, Jesus, that your death is enough for our forgiveness and for my forgiving of others. May we declare that today. May we walk out of those prisons today. In Jesus' name, amen.